Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You probably have a hangover, uh, even if you don't drink or what have you, but it is the day after what was supposed to be the election for 2020. And welcome to POTUS 2020 Battleground America, a Deadline podcast. I am Dominic Patton, senior editor of Deadline Hollywood. And I'm Ted Johnson, political editor at Deadline. I don't know what to say, Ted. I mean, do you have any hair left to not pull out? <laughs> well, someone who doesn't have any hair left is James Carville who kept on having to explain himself uh, after he made a prediction that this race would be called at 10 o'clock last night. They brought him back on the air and he said, Democrats, don't worry. So here we are this morning, uh, maybe a little more confidence for the Democrats, but things are changing very, very quickly as this vote comes in. The least surprising thing, because it got to this point, the least surprising thing was Donald Trump's speech last night. And yet also, and yet also the harshest thing. I mean, regardless of how these votes go and, and you know, the, the Secretary of State and the Governor of Pennsylvania have talked about how every vote counts. Everyone's using that as their mantra. But literally the President of the United States tried to declare this a, I don't know, this was, this was like those weird political thrillers from the 70s where suddenly a, a country is taken over. I ex- half expected a general to walk out or Trump to come out wearing like a general's cap or something. I mean, it just went, it went off the rails. And he started out okay, to be honest. I thought, at first I thought, oh, he's gonna be, he's kind of downbeat like he was earlier in the day. He's kind of gonna give a speech about every vote counts. I think we're winning, but we'll see where he is. Kind of like what Joe Biden said um, in his shortest speech of Joe Biden's career, by the way. (laughs) Um, And yet then it went off the rails. So I don't know, however the vote goes, this is not over. And that speech was like, pouring an oil refinery on a fireplace. I, I thought it was, you know, this isn't the most important thing, but I thought it was interesting because on an otherwise good night for Donald Trump, because he defied expectations in a number of these states, overperformed what he did back in 2016. It really dampened. I mean, it, it was, it like put a, uh, I think people were so aghast at it that it kind of it kind of reminded people, especially here in D.C., why Donald Trump has been uh, such a um, albatross in many cases. Yeah. Um, that you know that you know you don't see it play out around the country, and there'll be a lot of thinking over. What exactly happened? Why didn't the Democrats get the wave that they thought they did? But I uh, think that uh, he's going to continue to just kind of shock people. Yeah, for and I mean, breaking these democratic norms. We saw it a lot, in, you know, in our community here in Hollywood. The reactions were so strong from various people. Uh, again, you know, there's so much happening so fast. We're recording this at like 9:30 this morning on Wednesday. By the time you guys hear it, most some of what we say might be irrelevant. 
Well, we're going to stick to something that we know is pretty relevant, which was the results that came out of Miami-Dade. Um, and Florida, that really pushed uh, Florida into the Trump camp. And we are very fortunate to have, um, well, Ted, would you like to introduce? Yes, uh, we are very fortunate to have Gloria Calderon-Kellett with us. She is uh, the executive producer of One Day at a Time, a show many people know well. Uh, it has had recently had a run on CBS after airing on Pop and before that on Netflix. So Gloria, thank you so much for joining us and what I'm sure is, as we've been talking about earlier, a glorious day for democracy in America. Um, right off the bat, where are you at about all this? I am cautiously optimistic. Wow. That's where I'm at, yeah. That's like from the Joe Biden talking points. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. I mean, look, this is what we've been setting up. We've been talking about this for weeks now. It's not gonna be decided on the, on the night. Be prepared for that. Uh, we're gonna have to wait for, for all the votes to be counted. Also, this is COVID times. So this, these are even more unusual circumstances. So we have to be patient. We've waited four years, we can wait four more days. Gloria, what, what are the results so far has surprised you the most? I think still the country being so divided. I think that that's something that we really have to look at and we have to find a way to talk to one another. I am so interested, so much of my work is about how do we build bridges with one another? And, you know, we did a whole politics episode that I wish so much had aired on CBS because uh, we wanted those talking points to get out there. We, we grew up hearing again and again, especially with family or in, in polite company, you don't talk about politics and religion. And I think that can't happen anymore. I think that we need to find a way to talk about it. It can't take, it can't suck out all the air from the rest of the conversation or the, or the family event or function. But I do feel like we are so very disconnected and I, am, I have great concerns about uh, how white supremacy is, has shown its face in this election and with this president in particular. And we need to talk about ways that we can that we can come together and we can, because I think, look, I, I'm, I'm Cuban American. So I have a lot of family in Florida and I have a lot of people in my family who voted for Trump. Uh, they did- okay, So Gloria, I want to ask you this, because I, I have this in my family too, okay? And it's mainly the older members of my family. And, 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 and Ted has heard me say this. It usually starts off with, I think Donald Trump's crazy and I hate the tweets. And then they usually list another thing that's pertinent to them, right? But then they go, but I love how, and they, they, they go into, it's either taxes a lot uh, and stuff like that. And, but they also go, I love how he kicks the ass of the establishment or something like that. There's this rebel king thing that's been brought in. What are those conversations like for you? It's very similar. It's economy, right? They're, they're doing well. Uh, the, I think there's also, there's something in Latino culture called familismo which is really the idea that we take care of our, pe our people and sorry, everybody else, right? There, but the, we, are, we are in charge of these people. Well, see, this is, this is where Latinos and the Irish are one. Similar, yeah. Well, that's why I married an Irish guy, right? An Irish that's what guy. I've heard. Yeah, so very similar. So what happens is I get that from, a, from an immigrant standpoint. I get it. You don't know who to trust. We're going to a new place. We got to take care of our people. That's what we got to do in order to survive and thrive. I get it. But once you're a few generations in, I think it's important for us to look around and say, oh, okay, we're doing all right. 
let's look at the people my kids are interacting with and they're going to school with and who, who do we care about? Let's care, let's care about our community. Let's make sure that we're all thriving and surviving, that we're all uh, having access to healthcare and education. And that requires an outward look when if you've been inward looking due to circumstance, also look for, for I think a lot of the Cubans and Venezuelans that live in Miami-Dade in particular, there is a big PTSD in terms of just the word socialism. Just the whiff of it brings so much up for them of what happened in their home countries. Yeah. And it, it's very easy to, to manipulate those, those very real feelings and emotions that all of people went through. I, I, was, talk, I was talking to a friend um, who's Honduran, uh, but lives in Miami-Dade. And what she said to me late last night, she said, dude, this is Obama's outreach to Cuba coming back to bite them in the ass. Like that this was the this was a feeling of a feeling of betrayal that then the Republicans have amplified, as you said, with words like socialism, what have you, that they might as well have written they might as well put Joe Biden in one of those Castro t shirts that people used to yeah. stupidly white kids used to walk around wearing in the eighties. I know. And it's so, what's so hilarious to me is that Biden is so established, but he's so not socialist. <laughs> and he kept but, on saying that. Yeah. yeah Uncle Joe is the most right-wing progressive you're honestly, ever going to meet. It's <laughs> yeah. so moderate, it's ridiculous. But, but it's, look, they're, they're, they do a lot of things right that we need to look at. And so in terms of, you know, for me, I just want like, a, a I want to restore kindness and empathy and, uh, those are the things that I'm really focused on. But there were a lot of wins last night that were extraordinary, you know? I mean, uh, Sarah McBride, of uh, the first openly transgendered, yep. uh, you know, in Delaware, highest ranking open trans uh, uh, state legislator in, in the country, which is thrilling. Uh, Richie Torres, first Afro-Latino in the Bronx um, to be elected to Congress. Uh, Taylor Smalls in Vermont, Sharif. Like there's so many wonderful things that happen too that that don't get the news that they deserve because obviously everyone is very concerned about the, the big job up top. But there was a lot of really great movement and, and certainly the voter turnout is wonderful. It's great that people are voting Republican and Democrat. I think it's great. And what I really hope to do, um, certainly for me, I've been talking a lot with artists because there's a lot of friends right now they are having a really hard time creating, understandably so. And for me, this is when the artists have to go to work. This is where we're the soldiers. You sound and like Toni Morrison. I believe it. I really believe it. This is where it's like, okay, I either have to provide a salve for you. If, if things go a certain way, there's going to be a lot of hurt and pain. So how can I provide something where you feel seen, where you feel entertained, where you can take a break from your day, where you can feel like I, I, I understand the, the characters on the screen in front of me, they represent me in a way that I don't feel currently represented in my life. How can I do that? Or how can I try through humor, through conversation on these shows to bridge that, that delta <laughs> that we seem to be facing? So this is, I, I actually have been super productive in the last few weeks amid phone banking and amid doing various, um, you know, get out the vote events via Zoom. Uh, I've been writing a lot because I feel a deep need to speak for those communities. I mean, the Latinos actually really turned out the vote. I know that we're getting a lot of heat for, for uh, Florida, but in Arizona and New Mexico, I mean, yeah. we've got the vote in big- And, may, and, and maybe Nevada. Maybe and Nevada. maybe Nevada, right. right. Now, we'll just, 
in this snapshot in time, which we're all, as we mentioned earlier, we might know that by the time you hear this podcast, so much of it might not I mean, mean anything. Might <laughs> but right now, Nevada, yeah. how roll do you, those dice, roll those dice. How do you, um, the, the, whenever a celebrity goes out on the trail, Republicans will always say, well, that's, that's just the Hollywood elite. How does, how does the entertainment industry kind of shed that label? Well, I think that what ends up happening is, yeah, people do talk about that a lot, but we're still people that have, artists especially, we've all been poor. <laughs> we've all seen what it looks like on the other side. And we all have uh, contemporaries who are not as successful uh, financially, monetarily as we might be. So we're still incredibly in touch with people who are living paycheck to paycheck, also family members, especially when you're talking to people of color that, are, that have made it in Hollywood. We're supporting a lot of people. We're supporting many family members, right? Like I remember, I think it was- um, Gabrielle Union? Yes, Gabrielle Union. She came out and she oh, said like- Heads I'm, up for Gabby. She's like, I got like, I got like 15 people I'm supporting. <laughs> like we're not, you know, we're out here really lifting up all of our all of our family members and 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 trying to create actual change because we are one generation away from not that. Uh, so there's this idea that that we're all like, you know, I don't know, on yachts and drinking champagne, and that's that's not the case. Also, we're still members of society, so we still have a right to speak up, and we can certainly use our platforms for to talk about these things and to start conversations. I do not know everything, but I'm happy to have the conversation. Now you've done a lot of this on, on one day at a time, clearly. And you, 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 you did that remarkable episode uh, where the former celebrity apprentice host, whose name we shall not mention right now, was brought up in the family and family members, long estranged family members made it clear that they were great supporters of the incumbent. Um, you talked also earlier about Miami-Dade, Cuban-Americans, there is a lot of heat right now. There are a lot of people who are saying that that might prove to have been the ball game. How do you feel about that personally? I mean, I, you know, I got to tell you, I don't feel like uh, Irish Brits or even as a Catholic, I don't get that kind of blowback. And we've blown a lot of elections. Yeah, no, listen, we had a whole civil war going on for 30 years. Let's be real clear. Let's be real clear. It's still the white people's fault. Let's just be real clear. <laughs> it's still, you guys are overwhelmingly uh, doing the damage. Let's be real clear. Yeah, but when we're looking at, when we're looking at um, what majority minorities are doing, I think that that's, that people are more surprised. I think people are more surprised that Latinos aren't, all Democrats, right? Especially, you know, Cubans and, and Venezuelans and Puerto Ricans are tend to be Catholic as well. And, and the, the Democratic Party, with the exception of the abortion, uh, the, the abortion issue, which, which I think now we are in a time where that the single issue voters are going away because they're seeing all the other damage that is happening. Um, but aside from the deep pro-lifers that would vote Republican only because of pro-life, Catholicism is 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 really deeply rooted in in the Democratic Party, um, so it's it's I think that those are the people because I know and love a lot of the people that are in Miami Dade that voted this way that I know they love their kids they love their families they care about humans they're not they're not monsters right they're not they're they're people that care about the same things I care about we are just looking at the world in a different way we are looking at the same sky and seeing a different color. So it's how do I have a conversation where 
they can either explain to me why they see the sky differently, or I'm able to convince them that the sky looks the way I think it looks. And that's the conversation that takes time. It's not going to take, it, it might take a lifetime to make those changes because there's so much understandable and justifiable fear based on what the, they experienced in their own countries coming here. What would you have changed in terms of the democratic outreach to Latinos? I think that Latinos, they come to us like a month before, pretty much always. Uh, it's always kind of the last thing like, oh, right, we got to get to this. We got to reach out to the Latinos. It always happens right at the end. And it always, we feel that. I think we feel like, oh, right, you need us now. So now you're coming to us. I think there needs to be more outreach year round. And I think that, that I also am a, a, you know, part of many organizations that are trying to make Latinos more civically engaged year round as well. What can we do in our own communities? What can we do in terms of, you know, in Los Angeles, there were some great things on the, on the ticket that I'm, I'm still curious to see how the outcomes came. I'll look as soon as we're done here, obviously I'm gonna look and see. But there's a lot that we can do on the small scale and there's also a lot of, in terms of canvassing and in terms of going out and talking, there was a lot that I found within the community. Some of which was, we're not, we, we don't know enough to vote. Like there was this concept amongst uh, a large group of Latinos that like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't understand politics. I don't know all those propositions. Oh, it's all, it's all a lot. I don't want to do it wrong. Like it's a test that they have to pass. And so I think it's, clarifying it a lot of the language is purposefully misleading or done in a way that's i mean i read through that so i have a master's degree i, I read through some of that stuff and i'm like what <laughs> wait a minute i have to read oh, sure. yeah. or seven times who supports it who doesn't why you know you have to do like all your own research it's one of my husband and i's favorite things we sit with my parents we break out the laptops and we read everything and talk about oh who supports it who doesn't what do they say who does that and but it's like two three hours where we sit down and do that work so it's how do we make that more accessible to other Latinos, other people of color, other communities that feel scared to vote because they don't want to vote wrong and make them understand that their voice is still important and that they don't have to fill out everything on the ballot. A lot of people don't know that. You can just fill out president, turn it in. You don't have to fill everything out. Uh, and then, and then it's, it's really sitting down and saying what issues are important to you and finding out what that is for Latino communities and then focusing whoever the candidate is focusing on those things earlier so that they understand that they have the power. They have incredible power, especially, my God, by the time we get to 2024, uh, we're, we're going to have so many more Latina, Latino and Latina and Latinx kids turning 18. Gloria, I want to I talk a little bit more about, about the show. Um, you know, clearly you guys, uh, you went from Netflix to pop and then you went on uh, with uh, past episodes onto CBS broadcast network part of that was obviously programming because of the pandemic which you know everybody's having to make some moves because of that um what was that like for you because i know i know obviously that's that's a dream for any creator to be on a broadcast network but also where is this leading into the future i know that you've tweeted about that this might be this could have been the end um so give us a sense of where things are at with the show we don't know is the big uh, is the big takeaway. Like we are really hoping that we get some clarity in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, we have our actors through December, and they're all very fancy pants um, actors who people want. So we also don't want to hold them 
back from other jobs if in fact when you say fancy pants you of course are referring to a woman who literally wears fancy pants on <laughs> dancing with the stars <laughs> <in Justina. laughs> isn't she doing beautiful we're just so proud right. of I mean, look honestly if you guys come back you, you got to get her you got to get her to hoof like it's just oh. like the woman's got the moves i know she's so remarkable she's so remarkable uh, you know, for, for us, it's we're in a strange circumstance where, you know, pop TV is sort of shifting. They're not doing uh, scripted programming anymore. So even though we did really well there, uh, I, there's not a future for us there. So we're delighted to have been on CBS, but technically we didn't really, even though it was our broadcast premiere from a technical standpoint, many of the people that came had already seen the episodes on pop. So it wasn't a proper big, you know, PR and marketing push and these are all new episodes and we're gonna put you between mom and the neighborhood and give you a real shot none of that was really happening so for me it would be incredible to have that opportunity on cbs uh you know with with pop it was what we were finding was incredible we were the number one show among hispanic viewers uh you know we were number two only to schitt's creek which was obviously such a huge hit um and and we reached three and a half million viewers, unique viewers uh, yeah. across the platform. So like we did really well. And, and even on CBS, we were the number one scripted premiere amongst 25 to 54 year olds amongst that demo. Uh, and the number two scripted series, you know, this season among the, the younger demo, which I think uh, CBS is looking to do. And the number one scripted CBS series among Hispanic viewers. So it's like, this is all, a, this is what they keep telling us they want. And so for me, it's like, well, then double down, right? Like, if this is, this is what you're all saying you want. You have the show, just, just double down. And like you said earlier, Dominic, we are a contained show. We're on a set. Um, we, we can keep pre people pretty safe. Sitcoms have been up and running for a few months now, quite successfully. So if we could get the opportunity to do more, you know we would love to do more. We'd, we'd have a lot to say, regardless of the outcome. Uh, and, and we very much want to, you know, we're the only Latino show that's on broadcast right now that's a full family sitcom. And, and, you know, I talked to the heads of CBS and I said, my entire life, the 45 years I've been alive, I've wanted to see a Latino family more than six episodes on CBS. And it happened, which is thrilling, but I'd like it to continue. Because obviously this is a difficult needle to thread, right? If not, <laughs> there, there would be more, they develop shows every year, and the alchemy of actors and writing and all of that, it's, it's hard to make a show, period. It's hard to make a dominant culture show. Nine out of 10 pilots don't make it to a second season for dominant culture shows. Yeah. So if you're really committed to putting a Latino family on TV in a comedy, I just don't know why you wouldn't just double down and, and put some energy into, into this show that's been 100% on Rotten Tomatoes three years in a row. I mean, you know, you know all the stats. You know okay, all the so, stats, so, Dominic. So we're gonna, we're gonna, th this is gonna be our takeaway. Um, everybody be a little patient with the votes. CBS double down on one day at a time. We want more. I love it. All right. And we love you. Thank you for joining us today, Gloria. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you, Gloria. Well, I mean, it's always a pleasure to talk to Gloria and, and, and there, there's so many insights. And again, I'm serious. I really do hope that one day at a time comes back because it's one of my favorite shows. Um, but now looking to head to other things that may or may, or may not come. I mean, we're clearly going to see votes coming in later today over the next couple of days. Ted, what is the landscape going to be? What else should we be looking for in terms of, uh, I guess, marks on the road of where this is all going to end up? Well, I think obviously the big thing is going to be is 
uh, if either candidate declares victory, what does the other campaign do? Is there some kind of ballot challenge given that the margins and some of these swing states are so close? Uh, I think that, you know, at a certain point, this may very well be just headed to the courts. And that's where it may play out over the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, interested, very interested as some of the totals come in, which networks actually pull the trigger and call some of these states. Amazingly, you know, Fox News, uh, which has, you know, I saw a lot I, of I love I love how you're working your words here to say what you want to say. <laughs> well, I say, you know, you talk about people, you know, especially in Hollywood, they're like, oh, it's Fox News and the disinformation that they have. They actually have a really good decision desk. Amazing. You know, elect, and, we, we saw this in 2012 with the famous Megyn Kelly walking down the hall, and we saw it last night. You may, whatever you think about Fox News, when it comes to data, they're king. And and really, like, real, I mean, I, I, I keep my eyes on AP because I'm a little old school, but they were on this. And actually, to talk about data, by the way, we should talk about something very, once again, Regardless of how this all ends up, a Democrat has won the popular vote yet again. Joe Biden actually has exceeded 50% in the popular vote, might even make it up to 52%. And right now, Joe Biden, again, wherever this goes, is on track to probably receive the most votes of any presidential candidate in American history, closing in over on and probably going over 70 million, which will beat what his former boss, Barack Obama got in 2008 because math is fun. Math is fun. The population is expanding every year, but also turnout. Turnout yeah. looks to be maybe setting a record. Uh, we'll see. We'll see as the, the final numbers come in. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, if Biden loses this and wins the popular vote, uh, that will be the third time in our lifetimes is there some kind of a new campaign to do something about the Electoral College? Uh, and it always comes up. It came up in 2016. It came up in 2000, but they just kind of dissipate after a while. Interesting, on the ballot in Colorado, it appears to be leading, is this uh, uh, ballot initiative in support of the national popular vote, which would do kind of an end run around the Electoral College without having to change the Constitution. It's kind of a novel novel plan, and voters, the last I checked, were, seemed to be favoring it. So I th I, something to watch, I think, definitely, you know, if that scenario plays out. You know, the talk of the Electoral College is almost as old as the Republic itself, but I also think, too, one thing, we, as we look forward, clearly, the vote counting is going to keep all of our attention over the next few days at the very least. And then the court battles. This isn't over. This is going to go all the way to January 20th, I predict. But there's also something else happening at the Supreme Court, which is the Affordable Care Act is going to go before the court, the now conservative majority court on November 10th. You might see a very different verdict on the legacy of the Democratic Party, specifically Barack Obama and Joe Biden, occur out of that hearing. Any feeling predictions, Ted? I'm not sure if you're going to actually attend. I'm not sure what the policy is right now up with the Supremes, if people are actually... Yeah, well, right now the policy is they're still doing these uh, audio uh, hearings, uh, so no one's actually going to the court. You're just getting the audio feed, which has benefits in itself, and so that will get a lot of attention. But I, I find it interesting because the 
the um, the House and Senate Democrats really tried to hinge some of their campaign against Amy Comey Barrett on the whole idea that uh, she would be the vote to overturn the Affordable Care Act. I'm I'm not sure how well that issue actually resonated um, with voters. I mean, just given the results, it it looks like Democrats are going to have a very difficult time to take control of the Senate. But so that that brings up the issue. So the court overturned. What if the court overturns Obamacare? Uh, what happens? Does the Republican Senate respond to that uh, by? by their own political needs, that uh, we better pass something when it comes to healthcare. We will see. Well, thank you very much for joining us. By the way, we don't do this, but I want to give a shout out to my cousin, John Hayes in the UK, who's been an avid listener of our podcast and has had some very good insights. So thank you, Johnny, uh, for that. And we will talk to you guys down the line. This is a, a crazy train. We're all on it, to quote Ozzy Osbourne. One way or another, we're going to see you on POTUS 2020 Battleground America. We might even have a new name. Might be POTUS 2020 America decides or not. Either way, I'm Dominic <laughs> Patton, senior editor for Deadline Hollywood. And I'm Ted Johnson, political editor at Deadline Hollywood. We'll see you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.